supposed to be screaming too. <laughs> Got to get back into it. That's Mike. That's Toya. And this is <laughs> Techniques and Bites. Y'all know what it is. It's going to be real rusty for <laughs> this first one. Toya. Toya just. Toya then forgot our intro. <laughs> How y'all doing? Not. You didn't forget? No, I was just waiting. You was waiting for, for the, the delay? Mm. Mm. Too busy looking at the video <laughs> on Facebook. <laughs> How's everybody doing? How you doing, Toya? Oh, listen. Summer's over, unofficially. Is. Uh, when Had is a it birthday officially on Sunday. Oh, yeah, happy birthday. Thank you. Well, the fall equinox is like September 20-something, so that's when fall officially starts. But, you know, Labor Day is like the unofficial end to summer. Well, we in Florida, so it's always summer for me. <laughs> right. <laughs> Forever going to be in summer mode. But, yeah, got a little one in school, so that's what's up. Got a whole new life. Harco in school? Yeah. What is he in? Ooh. He is at a preschool, so it's cool. So it's not just like a daycare. So he actually goes to class, and he has homework, which is pretty hot. Okay. That Getting that education on early. Is he liking it so far? It's been a it's been a bit of a struggle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> today was the first day that he actually walked into school by himself without crying or anything like that. Oh. Yeah, but it's been good. It's been good, and he loves the ladies there, like the teachers and the helpers and the admins. So it's just a get getting there, and then he like has fun. Okay. And then the pickup, it's like mommy. So he'll be all right. He'll be all right. Well, I how you been? Um, Babies are on the way. Not yet. Things happen over the summer, you know. I was hoping it was gonna happen in August, but it didn't happen. Uh, Told up my baby, my car is gone. I was gonna say I saw something new in the driveway. Oh yeah, you, we on national TV. You said it first. <laughs> I didn't say I got anything else. <laughs> I just said it was told. That could have been a rental. <laughs> <laughs> so that was devastating. Um, yeah, that sucks. Been grilling a lot. That's about it. Grilling and going to the gym. It was a. It was probably the first summer where I actually kind of had a summer, because mm -hmm. it was kind of slow. Because you know where grow is going to be pushed back until fall of twenty twenty. I mean, I guess tw spring twenty twenty. Mm -hmm. Or whatever. It's not happening till next year. <laughs> after you want to. So like January, February. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So besides that, I actually um, took the time to enjoy the summer. That's good. That's good. That you was should. the biggest focus. So we know what y'all been waiting for. It's a lot of stuff to talk about, so we might as well just get into it because it's been a summer. Uh, but before we go there, if we could, please, we're going to have a moment of silence for remembrance of 9-11. Oh, yeah. All right. For everybody that went through that, I know this might be trigger event, but we're not going to be talking about that today. Um, just a remembrance for those that have lost and those that suffered during that time. Absolutely. Yeah, I remember that day. I was in school. My favorite place. I was at work in Tallahassee. Mm -hmm. And I remember I when I first saw it, I thought it was a I thought it was a TV show. Yeah. I didn't think it was real. I hadn't, I didn't, I wasn't up and out for school just yet for class, but I went into my roommate's room and it was on the TV and we just sat on her floor and we were like, like, this is crazy. So, speaking of unsafe things, um, 
guys know we kind of switched the format. We're going to breeze through some topics, and then we have some heavier topics. So uh, this is more so just a summer recap. We'll get back into the weekly stuff. So if there's something that was immediately to happen this week, we might not get to it to next week. But um, one of the things that's been popping out, uh, vaping isn't safe as people thought it was. So the sixth person has in the United States have died from lung cancer related to vaping. Now, I just want you to think vaping only started some years ago. Yeah. Um, so the woman was older than 50 and had a history of health problems. Probably shouldn't have been smoking. Uh, she became seriously ill after she was using e-cigarettes and her symptoms progressed rapidly. And it's not clear as to what type of vaping product she used, the Kansas Department of Health said, but uh, she did die. Um, federal investigations into the link between vaping and severe lung illness is ongoing, has not identified a cause, but all reported causes. Cases have indicated the use of e-cigarette products, and some patients have reported using e-cigarettes containing cannabinoid products and, such as THC. Mm -hmm. But this is my thing. You get these little things of fluids that's supposed to have nicotine and other stuff in it. Yeah. I don't know. I was just never convinced it was going to be safer. No, and I think what the appeal was was sort of that it was like odorless. So mm. for people who smoke, they were like, okay, I could smoke now without being offensive to someone else, especially if they were had kids or, you know, they want to do it at home. And it just kind of gave them, I believe, more freedom. So at that way they can indulge in something that they like to do. I was still but offended. But at the end of the day, you're dealing with a substance that you really don't know what's in it. Um, and anytime. You know, you just always have to be careful. That's even with supplements, right? A lot of this stuff, companies make them, but you truly don't know what's in it. And we consume so many things in good faith that the companies who are making these things have our best interest at heart. <laughs> and a lot of times they don't. It's about the dollar. So you got to be real careful. I mean, I've, I've never been a smoker, so vaping was never anything that was of interest to me. But, you know, you, just, you always have to be careful. You cannot just put stuff into your body and think that there aren't going to be consequences. So the investigation into the lung illness is ongoing and people should not consider using e-cigarettes and products and people who should, mo who do should monitor themselves of the symptoms of the CDC said Friday. So, um, yeah, I just don't think vaping is a good idea. I don't think smoking is a good idea except weed and cigars, but other than that, and that should be done like right. on special occasions every like once really in a while. Like really sparingly. Not all the time um but if you actually go look at some of the ingredients they have been putting in those little containers that you guys are vaping with i mean you might as well have just like plugged yourself up to the back of a car and just start inhaling um it would have worked out the same yeah you get that thank you ad <laughs> right, <'cause laughs> my eye was watering <laughs> i'm laughing earlier my eye makeup done got messed up y'all excuse it uh, she was laughing. Ad, she <laughs> was laughing because I asked for a baby budget. <laughs> Listen, hopefully I got it. If not, y'all just gonna have to deal with it. All the people with kids, we need to understand. We need to know y'all baby budgets in the comment section. How and did I that? said, <laughs> there's no such thing. I know how that worked out for you. <laughs> you just make it happen for your kids the best way you can. So, of course, one of the things that was popping off, and we want to get right into it. Um, <laughs> Like I said, this is a recap, so we'll get back to our true show format next week. Next week, uh, Antonio Brown. So I know y'all know how far you <laughs> wash your face like that already. <laughs> <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
Did you watch the whole thing? No, I didn't. I just heard I've been hearing snippets of it. Um, but yeah, go ahead. Go give okay. details. Give so details. Antonio Brown implemented CTE disorders to get out of his Raiders contract. That's the summary of it. And anybody that want to argue, put it in the comments. But he basically <laughs> had a helmet gate. He had a he wasn't showing up to practice. He got fined, lost his guarantee money, and everybody went crazy. He gets released from the Raiders. The good old boys, also known as the Patriots, come in and scoop him up within an hour and thirteen minutes and sign him to another contract. So. That was the thing that I know that you guys thought I was probably going to talk about because I had some great debates with Brian Burkeen and other people because I think he's going to still make about the same amount of money, but Patriots are known to use people up. But yesterday, a lawsuit was filed in federal court alleging that Antonio Brown sexually assaulted a woman named Brittany Taylor. She outlines three separate incidents. Mm. June 2017, unpermitted touching, exposing himself, masturbating in her presence, and raped on May 20th, 2018. Brown's lawyers acknowledged one instance of consensual sex and said that any sexual interaction between the two was entirely consensual. Brown and Taylor met at a Bible study partner's... What? What? How do do that? I'm going to have to end up being like... And stayed in contact over the years, and Brown ultimately hired her as a trainer. Obviously, this is a very new story, and we'll have to wait to see how it unfolds. Mm. Okay, so <laughs> the, so the bottom part of what you just read kind of answered my first question because I was like, how did this? How did you allow this to happen in three separate incidents? Like, how does that? Like, if somebody does something wrong to you the first time, like, get away. Why are you still around him? But you're his trainer. You could have fired him as your client. Like, you can fire your clients. <laughs> if they're doing things to you that you do not like or disagree with, you can fire your clients. People do it all the time. You don't have to wait for your client to fire you. You can fire your clients. But that's interesting. Like, I, and to have met at Bible study, and then how does that work? I'm just curious. But I don't know enough about the story. Listen. I've learned as a man, these are the things I don't get to comment on. I just get to bring the news. Yeah. No, I mean, very valid point. Um, and I just, I would love to just know a little bit more about it. And not to say that, you know, you blame the victim, not at all. But I think that with any situation, you definitely have to get all the facts in order to sort of make a decision or sort of weigh in on what's kind of going on. Right. And um, we do know that kind of foul things happen on both sides of situations. Sometimes the men are dead wrong. Sometimes women do things out of spite or who knows what happened. So you have to sort of, you know, I wouldn't necessarily pass judgment on any of this right now because you have to kind of wait for the case to play out. But um, that's crazy, and especially if he was taking advantage of their business relationship to do things to her that were just unsavory. Like, that's, that's insane. And I would have to say, without, like you said, without knowing anything, I will wait for what happens, and I hope it's resolved in uh, you know in an expedited manner. But I will say, if the Patriots get to keep Antonio Brown, I expect to see them in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Just putting that out there. I don't see no other competition out there. I'm sorry, Brian. I don't think the Eagles are going to be able to cut it out. I don't know how much money y'all spent on y'all little quarterback, but um, I don't think it's going to work out for y'all, Brian. 
So, speaking of politically incorrect things and just want to jump right into it with Juicy Smollier, did you get to watch <laughs> yeah. the Dave Chappelle <laughs> special? Sticks and Stones, yes, I saw it. Could you give us your feedback? And for those that are out there watching, you know, we got about 500 people watching right now. What did you guys think about the Sticks and Stones? Um, how did y'all feel? Like, what was your response to Sticks and Stones, Tori? So I think that it plays. So I'm, I like Dave Chappelle. I love the Chappelle show because I think that he uses his platform as a great way to do social commentary. And that's a space that comedy is able to play in. Because it kind of forces you to laugh at yourself through the jokes. And you kind of see some of the absurdity of what's happening through another perspective where you may not have looked at it before. With the Jussie Smollett, because I'm not doing the Juicy Smollett. <laughs> <laughs> juicy <laughs> <But> Smollett. <laughs> juicy? <laughs> but with that situation, I think that, you know, amongst sort of the community, there were conversations about like, yeah, that, that didn't look quite right. So we kind of knew that. And I think Dave Chappelle was just speaking of that in a very public space. Like a lot of times we'll say things amongst ourselves, but we won't really say them out loud to other people. And that's more so I think what he was doing. Did I find his his whole thing offensive? Not really. I think that he's just voicing an opinion. Um, and to a certain extent, yeah, I think that, you know, there's there's a fine line between playing like politically correct, but then also not allowing people to be critical of what's happening and being able to use freedom of speech to sort of share their opinion as well as maybe a perspective that may not be something that you align with. Um, yeah. And there's tons of other stuff that happened in Six and Stones, but that's, that's we're going to tap it right there. Oh, you, because I wasn't, because I'm just saying, personally, I think a lot of people just got upset because all he really did was talk about the, the problems of white people. I mean, there was a time where if people don't remember, Dave Chappelle used to have this whole little skit about D.C. Mm -hmm. Or to be like, ah, it don't matter what's wrong with him, just sprinkle some crack on him, he'll be okay. And that was like his whole thing about the whole sprinkle some crack on him. And that was when the crack epidemic was actually going on. Right. So, and I'm using this as an example to kind of ease my way into everything else. Because, you know, when he got into the N-word versus the F-word, mm -hmm. that was when I just, I, like, wanted to stand up in front of the TV and just start applauding. Like, yeah. that was, that was that's ingenious. Real. That was just ingenious. <clears throat> and I'm trying to understand why the people that are mad don't realize it's so obvious why you all are mad. Like, he, you're mad because he's literally, he turned the tables and he's calling you out. And how are you going to cancel a man that's over $120 million and keep on making money for Netflix? Y'all going to cancel Netflix next? Because I don't see y'all saying that. Netflix ain't going nowhere. I'm surely not canceling my subscription. But, I mean, I hate to say this, and we're trying not to curse as much this year, but he just got in y'all ass, and it hurt. Like, he had some stuff to say, and it was very, very real. So I would personally like to applaud Dave Chappelle because – I remember writing, and we've had conversations internally here where I was like, hey, and actually I'll make it even more specific. I remember when myself and Dante, um, who's now directing right now, when we went to a public event, Toya, you had just left actually there. It was in Fort Lauderdale, mm -hmm. Village District, and it was with the Fort Lauderdale, um, the, the council, 
And I remember when they were talking about increasing the budget for helping people to, uh, what was it? What's the word, Dante? It was, it was to, to basically to bring them back to life after they had overdosed on heroin. So it wasn't teaching the cops, the opioid, yeah, the opioid epidemic. It wasn't teaching the cops how to arrest them or it wasn't a say no to drugs campaign and how do we get all these criminals off of our street? Listen, different strokes for different folks. The whole program, it, it wasn't this, we got to stop this. They're stealing everything. They're ruining our neighborhood. The cops were being specifically trained on how to bring these people back to life and how and where to take them for immediate rehabilitation. I never heard anybody talking about crack and how to stop them from overdosing and where to take them for immediate rehabilitation. There's certain things with the basis of why we do this show and why we talk about the things we talk about. If you couldn't see the blatant racism of what Dave Chappelle was pointing out in the basis of his whole show, it's probably because you're blind to a lot of these issues that's actually affecting America. And if it offended you, you're probably one of those people that say things like, I don't see color. I love everybody. Next time you're with an artist, no matter what his color, tell the artist you don't see color in their paintings. You just see the texture in the paint and see how that goes over. Yeah, I mean, because the world sees color. <laughs> we know that. So for people who subscribe to that thought, is that literally you're not paying attention. That's racist. <laughs> <laughs> you're not paying attention to the injustice and you would rather turn a blind eye. It's basically what you're saying in a very nice way. But um, going back to what your point about the different, when I say different strokes for different folks, we know that things that impact our communities are just handled differently than things that impact other communities. Same situation, right? The whole crack era, you had to say no to drugs. You had um, officer friendly. You had McGruff, the crime dog. <laughs> like Everywhere. It was just so much stuff. You had dare in school, and so much was about it. But now that this is happening, it's being drug use is starting to be treated like a mental illness. Right, so now that it's the people, the users have changed, the subscription and the prescription has changed. I mean, because why not have done that before? Just it's say no. Thing. What's so hard about that? Right. <laughs> Addiction is an Kill issue. <laughs> it's a mental issue. Like, there's something that's happening that's causing people to get addicted. They're trying to medicate something using drugs. So, again, it just goes back to the whole point of different strokes for different folks. We cannot rely on institutions to care for us the way we know we need to care for ourselves because different strokes for different folks. And we're going to continue to be disappointed as long as we put our hat, hang our hat on what somebody else is supposed to be doing for us. So a round of applause to Dave Chappelle. I think he did a great job. And, you know, totally switching topics, but that kind of goes a lot of people have asked me and Dante brought it up today. And Toya, I don't know how much you've been paying attention because we've had a break over the summer. Somebody asked me about the state of black tech and black entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to spend a little bit more time on this topic, but I'm going to tell you how I really feel. There was a young lady. I don't have the article, and when I saw it, I just kind of looked at it and laughed at it. A young lady made a comment, and her comment was, she realized Google hires the whitest of black people mm -hmm. at Google. I saw that article. Or at least I saw the headline. Yeah, I think it was another one about, like, somebody's in, uh, they quit their job as uh, 
chief diversity officer realizing they were making no impact on the company, but they were going to go be a chief diversity officer somewhere else. Um, truthfully, chief diversity officer and everything else that we were really fighting for four or six years ago is about 12 years old in a mental state. Uh, it's like a throwback. It, it wasn't working. It wasn't going to work. Um, if you've noticed, most of the companies that said they were going to do all this stuff for diversity and inclusion, they're not giving money no more. They've disappeared. There's still $300 million from IBM that we still don't know who got that money. I mean, we could have got a check or something, but like the state of black tech, we haven't gotten into entrepreneurship right now. To me, the state of black tech is underground railroad with the success of little brother getting back together. That's how I would put it together. Explain Little Brother just for some people. Who so Little Brother is one of the most amazing duos. Well, it used to be a trio if right. you count Ninth Wonder. But one of the most amazing duos that made great music, that had purpose, story, and was impactful, but they never really went mainstream. Yeah. But they broke up, had to go through what they went through, realized life was more important. Fonte made a call had a conversation and said, hey, man, you know what? No matter what happens, I just want to let you know that I love you. I appreciate you as my brother. Uh, what's the other dude's name? Dante? Big Pooh responded. They got back together, and now they're making an album. Now, why is that relevant to tech? Because a lot of the bickering and a lot of the stuff we used to do, we probably did it on a more public platform. But there's a lot of people that have called each other and said, hey, man, sorry we didn't make this work, but let's figure out how to get this money. And tech is going back to entertainment and other fields that we have naturally dominated. But it's a shift. It's just a shift in the culture. And I can tell you right now, a lot of the stuff that's happening in black tech that's going to be impactful, most of you guys won't see it until it happens. And that's why I think the underground part. Like, yeah, it's just not the same conversation because corporate America pretended they cared to it wasn't an issue. Foundations pretend they were going to fund it till it wasn't an issue. And now that it's still an issue and nothing's really changed, they did enough to solace it and make it go away. And a lot of people are realizing we just going to have to do it on our own and make it work. Exactly. And that was going to be my point. I think that the tide is shifting and we're now becoming more insulary to where we're looking at how can we solve our problems ourselves. So today, I think it was on Instagram, um, Morgan posted about how she's moved Afrotech from San Francisco to Oakland. Because she was like, why should I be spending or having clients and visitors and guests spend so much money in San Francisco, Silicon Valley, and not do this in Oakland, where it's a community that is you know, predominantly people of color, and giving and helping to fuel that ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So that's, I believe, what we're going to see more of, right? We're starting to kind of, especially our generation and younger, we're starting to sort of pay attention to what's most important and making sure that we spend our dollars where it makes the most sense and we have the most impact. We're paying attention to the brands who get us, who understand us, as well as especially those who are black-owned, women-owned companies. Like, there's a rallying cry around the idea of supporting our own, you know, women supporting women, and just the whole concept of let's build a community. We cannot continue to try to fit ourselves into a system that does not want us, and then we cry when the system hurts us. They didn't want us anyway, so... Let's stop some of that. And I think that that also ties back into the whole idea of the year of the return, right? How Ghana is opening its arms this year to commemorate the 400 years of the transatlantic slave trade. Mm. So 
to welcome people back. And it's a returning that is happening, and we need to be okay with that. We need to understand that. We need to explore that, especially as we continue to see things continue to happen on our streets and the issues are not being solved quick enough because people are dying. <laughs> like, it's not – it's a situation that's continuing to happen. And if we continue to just wait for others to solve our problems, we could die <laughs> and just be like, wait, I was waiting. Right. Our skeleton is still sitting there like we was waiting. <laughs> like, no, we got we to gotta do this thing ourselves. So I think that's what we're seeing in black tech, and I think it's dope, period. So that's what's going on in black tech. So I can tell you the stories are going to be different. Um, our girl, we support her. Uh, full disclosure, we're behind her. Sherelle Dorsey has a lot of stories coming out about this. Uh, Brian Burkeen and Candace, uh, Mathis Burkeen, they're doing mm -hmm. a lot of stuff, and they're going to be bringing um, NUMI Accelerator back down to South Florida, not just to South Florida, in Pompano Beach. We had a conversation. We need to put it where black people are at. And so these things are happening, so I'm happy. Now with black entrepreneurship, and you said one thing, we we cry and we want to go back to the systems that hurt us, which leads us to the great debate we had this summer, which was Jay-Z partnering with the NFL for social injustice. Um, it's a big topic. <laughs> it's, it's a big topic. And yes, <coughs> yes, everybody that knows me, I'm a Jay-Z fan, like everything he does. I'm still waiting to order my paper planes at. I just don't do snapbacks. Um, there's a lot of things, but I think some things can get lost in translation of text, but I want to have understanding. I understand what Colin Kaepernick did, and I'm actually, you know what? This is what I'm not going to do. I'm going to step away. I'm not going to compare and pit these brothers against each other. Everybody has their own past of the solutions they see fit. As long as it's empowering and better in our community, I'm all for it. So I'm not going to have a conversation about Cap. Everything Kaepernick has done is great. I wish him the best, all right? But with Jay, you can't discount the things this man has done and look at the strategic elements of the things he's been able to accomplish and then question that he sold out just to make a little bit more money after he's become a billionaire. Like, that's just not the point. And as I stated just now, I'm not going to pit these two brothers against each other because Kaepernick is not Jay-Z's owner, and Jay-Z is not Cap's owner. They can do whatever they want to. As far as I remember, they never had a partnership or a deal together. And then a lot of y'all stories went down the hill when Jermaine Dupree came on and finally told you guys that everything they said about Jay-Z getting this, he had the same deal that Jay-Z told him to walk away from, he said that wasn't true. So the fact that Jay is doing what he's doing, and if he becomes the first majority owner of an NFL team, I think that would be great. But it goes back to what Jameel Hill is now saying, and yes, AD, I'm going to do it, versus what I was saying in 2015 and 2016 when I was trying to get young black men to go to HBCUs, and I wrote a whole article and a whole strategic element of business development of how if young black men went to HBCUs to play football, how it would shift the whole economic power of the NCAA. When I wrote it, it got overlooked. I don't have the following of Jamil Hill, but there were strategic people that I placed this in front of that they still didn't understand it. It would only take three years of the top 100 recruits, which normally are 85% black males, to go to a HBCU for you to shift everything when it comes to TV, endorsement deals, 
NFL recruitment, online airplay, bowl games, alumni. It wouldn't take that much if the talent just went somewhere else. Like, I can look at a personal situation of myself and Dante of two young men we knew. One went to the University of Tennessee. The other one went to Florida State. One is in the NFL. The other one, we don't understand why he's not getting a pass every, every two or three downs. But what are you going to do? So in this system right now, as long as Jay can do something positive and as long as people realize, just like black tech, if you want to make a change, it's definitely going to start, in my opinion, between 18 and 30. Truthfully, eight, 18 to 26-year-olds can make the most impact. And with sports, it could just start by just imagine if Jay-Z owned a team and he told all his players, hey, we're going to fix the salary cap. And by fixing the salary cap, I might pay you less as a player, but I got all kind of endorsement deals on the back end and I'm going to help you make money there. So you'll make just as much money. I just won't pay you as much with this check right here. That would be just because he cared, not because he has more money than other 32 owners in the league. They're all billionaires. But when they're using you up like a, a like a horse on the field and all they waiting for you to do is break that leg so they can pull out the gun, i.e. gun being an emphasis for your contract to shoot you and just say, hey, I have no use for this horse anymore. Get me another one. It's just what it is. So entrepreneurship to me is going the same way as Jake. You can be mad at me. You can be mad at certain people. You can be mad at him. But if people are doing to embedder their community and they're working to make things better, I'm going to applaud that all day versus sitting in the corner and not speaking up for yourself and just saying you wish things would change. So <clears throat> with Jay-Z, it's a little bit of a tricky, hairy situation, right? Because um, lots of people in the industry who have, of course, been a part of his career path often cite him as being very selfish and out for self and not always truly being about the community and the people and whatever. So when this sort of happened, at first I was like, well, let's see how, let's see how it plays out. Let's see what happens. I'm sure that he's going to put himself in place to be at the table, even though he may not be at the table <laughs> table, right? Because right. there's, there's different tables. There's different tables. There's yeah. different tables. So he may be at the table, but he may not be at the table table that's behind the secret door and the curtains. Um, but it's, it's good to sort of have someone there who can help to start to shape some of these things and be in those conversations that could then maybe help to shape those other conversations that are had. But to also, let's not look at, let's not forget the fact of how Jay-Z's personality and his connection to the community was sort of used to help with um, the Brooklyn Nets, right? So he's a minority, minority owner of the Brooklyn Nets, but it was positioned as if he had this other role. So people got behind it and was like, yeah, let's do this thing, Jada, whatever, whatever. And I think so he sold we, his shares too. Right. So we have to be a little careful of that because Trojan horses have been used in our community before. And not saying that he's a Trojan horse, but history repeats itself and you have to pay attention so before we get all on his bandwagon and like, yeah, root, root, go Jay, that's what's up. Let's see how it happens. Let's let's use our discernment and pay attention to what takes place. And especially when you're talking about the connection between Cap and Jay. I know we weren't gonna get into it, but you kind of have to pay attention to that as well. And sort of what was said and what not, and what was not said during the particular press um, the press conference 
because the whole reason that this sort of setup has happened is because of what Cap's protest did and how that impacted the industry, the NFL game days, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, yes, kneeling is not the end all be all. It was a it was the starting point for it. There definitely needs to be strategic things put in place to continue the dialogue, to continue the conversation, to actually implement change. Is that Jay Z's role? I don't know. Right, right now he's all of, he's on the entertainment side of it. So let's see what happens. That's where I'm kind of at with it. I'm interested to see what happens. But to your point about, again, this goes back to what we were just talking about with black tech taking care of our own. We so quickly jump ship when other opportunities come in place, right? So you think about the Negro League baseball, hot. We couldn't go to the other games. We had probably the best players. As soon as integration happened, what happens in the Negro League? Like we just, we lose and we forget and we are quick to leave our own. Even when you talk about Unsung, how many people watch Unsung? You're like, man, I was wondering what happened to that group. Right. And then do you support their concerts when they come back out on tour? As much as Elton John is still selling out arenas, the Rolling Stones are selling out arenas. I think that we as a community have to really look at how we cherish and care for ourselves. There's a lot that needs to happen there, and there's some healing that needs to happen there and some deprogramming. But I think we're on the path. We're on the path. So I think since you said that, if we're going to go there, I want to keep it 100. Hold on, Dante. Don't leave the room yet. Only reason why I want to keep it 100, if we're going to say that, I remember when Cap was winning championships Mm -hmm. and was kissing his forearm, he didn't want to do nothing with the Justice for Trayvon Martin Foundation. So if history repeats itself, he was in California when we was trying to make things move. Yeah, but he also said the 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 tipping point for him was was it Fruitville Station? That whole situation, what incident was that? Right, he but that was about that, that was before that was that happened before Trayvon Martin. It's just the movie came out when mm-hmm. he had a chance to make an input. When he was, it's it's very hard to not see the similarities that he got on when his career had peaked versus being on when his career was at a peak. Yeah, no, Cap has been, there's been lots of criticism on his part too and about maybe with a position that his girlfriend played in terms of helping to sort of get him in that mind frame. I'm glad you said that. So my whole thing is I think Jay is a different person because of Beyonce. So I granted I don't think some of the things he did may have not been selfish before, but I think with a daughter and, well, two daughters and a son now, being married and everything else, I think we have to give him more of a benefit of the doubt if we're not going to also tap into Cap's past when he had a chance to do those things. He said no. I heard him on the phone say no. When we reached out to him, it was mm-hmm. Robin Townsend, it was Aaron Hall, it was people like that in California that came out in support. Like, I didn't see Cap coming and flying into Miami to support Justice for Trayvon Martin Foundation, but I saw Jay here. So I'm just saying track record to track record it's kind of hard. And if we if we're gonna just compare and not pit, one has done a lot more for the other one. And to this day, yeah, but Cap still hasn't spoke up. Like if No, right. Where where you at, man? Say something. No, absolutely. And uh, my point of bringing Cap up was not to pit them against each other. I was just using that as an example because Jay has sort of been positioned in certain things to make certain things happen. Right. And the he's at the table because of the the un sort of settling that's happened within the NFL as a result of the kneeling. And it wasn't even, I like Cap was the first one to do it. And I ain't even gonna, I'm gonna tell you right now, straight up, when somebody asked me, and we, we had a conversation, well, the conversation in the household was, mm-hmm. oh, so we doing NFL again? We not protesting? 
Hey man, eighty five percent of the people that play football are black. They not protesting. Yeah, I'm watching it. I enjoy football. So right. just being one hundred. That's right. what it is. And that's the thing too, right? So when you sort of boycott the NFL, the players, those players have families and they have needs. They have financial needs. So there's it's a very sort of convoluted and a very complex situation. That I, like I said, I think we just need to wait and see. see we what, will see have how an update uses on his position. I think this is definitely one of our come back in six months kind of conversation. Yeah, because we definitely want to see what he does. Yeah, let's see. Uh, we and not just we're gonna have every little piece he does. Yeah, we no, need to do a no. whole wait till the season is over with. Let's see if he ends up putting what Beyonce the on the, the stage in Miami Gardens for <laughs> 2020 Super, it's Super Bowl Fifty Four because Club Fifty Four is here. It's gonna happen here in Miami Gardens. So that'll all be interesting to see. Um, so we had one from one of our APs, uh, Mr. Stewart. I hate to say this, but I have something to say about the Apple iPhone. Oh, did you watch yesterday? I didn't. I didn't watch it. Oh. I just saw some of the highlights and Dante hit me up and told me about, you know, Dante is addicted to that stuff. <laughs> um, look, Apple at this point, my suggestion is just make a camera that can make phone calls. <laughs> it's getting out of control. Wait, so what product prompted that? What prompted that? The new iPhone has like three cameras, multi-angles, 8K. What do you mean three cameras? It's two sides. No, <laughs> one side has three lenses on the back now. Why? What to do what? Panorama? I, don't, I, I haven't you even looked yet. I don't know, but it's a lot. Fish Island? This, this camera. The phone now has four. The phone now has four lenses on it. I get it. I get that you guys want to be Instagram superstars. But at this point, but ju- <laughs> just buy a Sony and a Nokia Flip. Like, what yes. are we doing with these phones? So, clearly, we're all Apple users over here. <laughs> but the one thing. Obviously. The one thing that has happened is that Apple phones have not taken great pictures. So, with this new phone with the four lenses, will we have photos that beat? Android photos. No, she got a point. The Android photos. Android phones. Android take photos. Great photos. Kill iPhones. Now all Negroes just don't know how to use our iPhone camera. I guess. No, they they point and shoot. Android phones be po- point and shoot, and these are people who not as techy as us. Them things come out way better than the iPhone photos. I don't know. And these could take better photos, so I could actually one up my cousin. We got like a cousin. So just so you know, from um our AP uh, AD. You can recall, record multiple videos at the same time. For what? <laughs> I mean, the only thing I'm seeing is my... Multi, yeah, yeah multiple... Front, front and back. So basically, this is going to be great Listen. for Pornhub, is what you're Listen. telling me. That's a lot of editing. Well, that's better, because I, I, I hate... The um, iMovie, whatever, on the iPhone and the iPad. That thing is horrid, and it does nothing. Yes. So multiple angles. Yeah, porn, Pornhub is about to make a killing. That's the only thing I can see this benefit. Yeah, I'm really trying to give a use case. Pornhub. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you get me, and you get everybody else that's out there. <laughs> you get her, and you get everything else. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, like, I guess, like, if you're on stage <laughs> and you're a speaker, like, let us let me show right. you the audience. That's what yeah, Apple was thinking the when they came up with I'm just asking about use cases for myself. Listen, I ain't got no porn hub, nothing. I'm sorry. Apple. Well, you get, you get tacos. And it's 1200 Just, no. 
and she shouldn't do just buy taco a Sony. He, Listen, you can get an A7 with some anyway. lift. It, it shouldn't be that. Not with multiple. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, that's crazy. That's <laughs> I need him to really focus on what makes sense. But due to the fact that I have a new phone and now I understand the power of upgrades, I might upgrade due to the simple fact that I still got about three years to pay this other. I think my payments on my phone is going to last longer than my car payments. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> at this point, I might just go ahead and update the phone. Just because, off of pure principle. So, for the Android users out there, we don't want to hear your comments. For the Apple users <laughs> out there, <laughs> how many of you Apple users will be updating your phone? Please leave a comment in the comment section. Do you plan on updating the phone based off of what you saw yesterday? I would like to know. So. <laughs> right. And by the way, while we're on What's it, the price point? How about that? I think it's $1,200. $1,200. 11 Pro Max, for those who can't hear Dante. 11 Pro Max is $1,200, but I think you can get up to $500 for the trade-in. You can get a lot of money for your trade-in. Oh, that's good. Trade-in my eight. Yeah, I don't think they're going to want that back. <laughs> <laughs> you, might, you might as well. You might as well. Listen, <laughs> we straight. Listen, my phone cracked before the X came out, <laughs> so I had to get the new one. They're going to be like, yeah, send that, send that to Gazelle, but we good. We don't need that, though. We appreciate you. Whatever. Um, they going to take this eight back. <laughs> all right. We got a strong no. It's a strong no. Okay. So Clinton Bird said yes. Alicia, uh, uh, what? How do I pronounce it? A strong Alicia. Uh, Alicia. Alicia, so you're not hey going to do it, huh? Alicia, I think you should get one. Um, <laughs> all right. So the other things that we were supposed to talk about, um, got Antonio Brown. So, Tori, I think. You, supposed to, you said Trump. You can't forget 45. <laughs> All right, so especially with election season coming up, y'all look where you at, Dwight. Yeah, Dwight is about that time. We're gonna be filming at Sips. Quick plug, everybody. Sips is in the northwest corner of the CIC Converge Miami building. That's mm -hmm. Gale, part of the Junction Team, Digital Grass Team. Go check out if you need some food because you're starving and you're tired of Subway. Some tea, coffee, some great tea. Yeah, and wine. Premium tea. Um, so the Orange Man. I guess we got to do this, right? <laughs> I think he needs to be evaluated for psychological problems because this man is crazy. I, I just, I don't know any other way to put it. Well, which part are you talking about? What new crazy are you referring I, to? I think the one that stuck out to me because of the impact to my family with Hurricane Michael, mm -hmm. I think it would definitely have to be him drawing. <laughs> the <laughs> to include Alabama? And then the, the, the Sharpie Gate would probably have to be the thing where there's certain things to double down. But, like, bro, you could have at least told your team, use graphics and implement a white line with the same dot emulsion pattern. But he's not that intelligent. So he just decided, I'm just going to draw black. <laughs> like, when it gets that far out into the cone, it's white. Like, if you're going to lie, do the lie the right way. Sharpie Gate, to me, was the breaking point to know past the other 32 breaking points that mm -hmm. Donald Trump I, is absolutely listen, insane. I just want to know who on his team to, like, let that happen. Let that slide. Like, it's okay. Like, we're going to take this photo, and it's not going to look obvious. It's not going to look crazy. Like, 
him and his whole team need to be psychologically evaluated. I'm assuming they like, sit down at the end of each night with Cheetos and McDonald's and like Kool-Aid and it's a little cult. <clears throat> or either they'd be like, we're going to pick our battles. Push against the whole hurricane <laughs> graphic. Maybe not. Let's let that pass. <laughs> but let's. Let's push against you know, his nuclear code. I would definitely like to see how the voting goes in there. So what issue are we going to tackle today? The <laughs> fact that I lied about the hurricane? Right. That's what I'm saying. Or the fact that this absolute idiot decided he was going to meet with Al-Qaeda at Camp David two days before the anniversary of 9-11. Trump supporters, I don't need you to explain this to me because if you try to explain it, I will have to unfriend you on Facebook. Why did you think that was a good idea, Trump? I would like to talk to Donald Trump. No, you don't. <laughs> I think that would be a really frustrating conversation. I, I can just hear his voice really good. Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm already suicidal. <laughs> like, that's good. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I just feel like it'll be like a circular thing. You just get frustrated and be like, walk out. Like, I think I, I would throw something at him. I would, I would probably try to at least hit him. Man. And with this recession looming, for those who watch CNBC, they be talking about a recession all the time. Con condos in Miami <laughs> on sale. Who ready? <laughs> my co I ain't buying no Jordans. All condos. <laughs> I'm waiting for the recession to hit. I'm gonna buy some stuff up. Um, I gotta. I owe. I owe my wife a condo anyways. <laughs> she had to sell a condo. So. <laughs> City living. That's right. <laughs> I'm telling. Look. Um. I don't know, Toya. I. I. I really can't talk about the orange man. No, I think that was a good synopsis. That was the highlight of the summer. <laughs> you talking about back from summer. That was the highlight. The oh, hurricane. Sharpie Gate. Dorian. Sharpie Gate. <laughs> and what was really great were the memes that came afterwards, how they took the aerial shots of the inauguration and like <laughs> drew in <laughs> drew the people Sharpie in. stick figures. Like, oh, look. Or the one, or the one where they drew the happy face on, uh, 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 what's his wife's name? I forgot her Melania. Name. In Melania, they drew the happy face on her to make her smile. But I will say this, a quick side note, because um, I am from the Panhandle, and the hurricane definitely affected a lot of friends and family up there. Um, I do understand, because this is a segue into our closing topic. For the people in the Panhandle, what you went through is not what they went through in the Bahamas. It's not that we forgot. I, I definitely haven't forgot. I'm reminded every time somebody sends me a picture. But... We had infrastructure damage. We had Category 5 winds. We had a horrible situation. But you didn't have what was in the Bahamas where people had no way to evacuate. They don't have planes or boats to get away. It's not bodies trapped under buildings and bodies floating around from a death toll that, of course, our government won't even give a real count on. Um, the panhandle wasn't forgotten, but, you know, Never put yourself in a position where you have to compare tragedy to tragedy because if you're even alive to talk about the tragedy, you need to think about those that are dead. And it, as much as it could be a, a joking situation, it's just not. And I, I really had to take the time, and I don't know about everybody else in the room, but I knew I took the time to actually realize I'm thankful to be alive because that storm could have went another way and destroyed yeah. our homes here. Totally. And South Florida was on pause that whole weekend. He was like, wait yeah. for it. A lot of people wait that were like, it. oh, just pack up and go. And no, you got to think there's people with families here, whole families right 90 miles away in the Bahamas that not only were they waiting to see if their lives were going to be destroyed, they were waiting to hear about the lives of their loved ones. Absolutely. Um, that was a, 
if if you've just went through Hurricane Michael with your family and you're sitting there watching the hurricane destroy and kill family and friends of family and everything else, that wasn't an easy weekend. So no. the panhandle, you weren't forgotten, but there's over, what, 400 deaths reported right now in the Bahamas. Their whole, st- this, it's gone. Yeah. Yeah, and the, the devastation reminded me of what down south Miami looked like after Andrew. And um, for those who grew up in South Florida and remember Andrew, Andrew, like, completely wiped out down south and Abaco Island and especially a lot of that footage, right? So Andrew did not pack as like So we didn't have that storm surge that they had. Like, water was up to the second floor. If anybody, by any chance, if you missed any of the footage from Dorian, those were some horrifying photos. Can you imagine being in your two-story house and you have to go upstairs? Usually you try to stay on the ground floor because it's safer, right? When you think about hurricanes, the roofs can get taken off and everything like that. So you try to stay low and in enclosed spaces that have, like, really sound walls, so, like, closets, bathrooms. Those are usually safer places to be during a hurricane. But when you are forced to go upstairs – because the water is up to the second floor of your building. Like, can you imagine what that feels like? So we didn't necessarily have family in the Bahamas, but we have friends and family who did have. And just the waiting game that happens, because you don't know if they're okay. You don't know if they made it through. And so you're just waiting for someone to make contact. You're waiting to hear back from them. I can only imagine how horrifying that is. And especially with South Florida, the Bahamas is literally our next door neighbor. And the Bahamas is closely tied to the founding and the creation of what is South Florida, especially Miami. So immediately, what was a really awesome thing to see is that immediately shelters, what were sort of hurricane shelters or safe places in Miami started collecting donations like Christ Episcopal Church in Coconut Grove, which has a direct link to the Bahamas in terms of ancestral lineage and pioneers who came over from the Bahamas, like my great-grandfather, those places started to collect donations to ship goods and things over back to those in the Bahamas. So it was a beautiful thing to see because we're all sitting here waiting to see what happens. Once we got the news that it wasn't coming here, we immediately went into let's protect those who we love, especially because so many South Floridians go to the Bahamas on a weekend, especially those with boats. People go to Bimini all the time, like it's a day trip. That happens. There's that relationship there. And it was a really, really awesome thing to see. And it also contrasts what we saw with Puerto Rico and that sort of situation and the response to the disaster there. And I think that that just requires a whole other conversation and dialogue about what takes place. And I think what you also saw what happened with the Bahamas is that the people started to react quickly. It wasn't as if we were waiting for the Red Cross. I mean, people did donate to the Red Cross, but it was a community-led sort of response. And I believe you saw the same thing for Puerto Rico, but, I, you know, the, from the administration, it was a different response. And oftentimes what happens in D.C. sort of dictates how other people respond to disasters. Um, and, of course, that's still an ongoing conversation because Puerto Rico is still trying to get back on <laughs> its footing. Like, there's, there's a lot that's going on. And going back to what you were saying about Panama City, same thing. Disaster recovery is not overnight. People still need aid. People still need supplies. It's an ongoing thing. 
Haiti is still trying to recoup. I mean, con continuously. So I think that overall we have to remember what this requires and what this entails and to not forget because we follow the headlines, right? And the news moves so fast, even though they'll sit there and report the same headline all day. But <laughs> stories will move on and you won't quite hear the progression of what's going on on the ground. So it's important, like Michael said, to continue to sort of highlight that and to make sure that we're connected and we know and we're able to provide for those who are in need. And I think we'll close this one out with for today's ignorance. Um, during a press conference on Monday, the CBP head Mark Morgan said the U.S. is vetting Bahamians attempting to come into the country, which includes screening individuals who lack documentation. The CBP is waiving the normal fees and expediting the re review process. But for the ignorance, about an hour later, Trump stated the following during a press conference. We have to be very careful. Everyone needs totally proper documentation. I don't want to allow people who weren't supposed to be in the Bahamas to come into the United States, including some very bad people. Without providing any evidence, he continued by saying, the Bahamas has some very bad people and some very bad gang members and some very, very bad drug dealers. By the way, talking about weed, which is about to be legalized in the United States of America. Meanwhile, we learned on Saturday evening that he was engaged in trying to coordinate a meeting with the Taliban at Camp David on the eve of 9-11. The Taliban team would have been negotiating with Trump at Camp David, included men who are wanted by the UN for possible war crimes and who associated with the members of Al-Qaeda. This meeting was canceled because the Taliban accepted responsibility for a September 5th suicide car bombing in which U.S. service members were killed. So just so you understand, the dude that looks like a cartoon character, I can't think of his name right now, but that's why he was fired. He told Trump that he shouldn't have this meeting, and when it leaked that he Trump was still going to try to do the meeting against his will, that's why he got fired. That's pretty much why every cabinet member of Trump's administration gets fired is because mm -hmm. it's normally leaked that Trump went against the intelligence that he lacks from his other people. So the simplicity of Trump's state of mind is terrorists are okay and good to bring into Camp David and negotiate with, but black and brown hurricane victims, Puerto Rico and the Bahamas, trying to flee for safety in their life, that's very bad. That's very dangerous. Yeah. So for every Republican, I just want you to consider for today's ignorance. On today, 18 years ago, the same people that flew two planes into the Twin Towers, Trump is willing to sit down and talk to them. Trump doesn't want the people from our country, which is Puerto Rico, and the people that we have an alliance with and that we support in the Bahamas to come here when their countries have been destroyed. One destroyed our country. The other one supports our country. This man has to be the most idiotic president that we've ever had. And it shames me to have to say that I have friends that voted for him. And you're still trying to defend him today. When you were reading that, all I heard was shithole country. <laughs> That's literally all I heard. That was a synopsis. 
it just ties back to his sort of like flash dingers that he likes, you know, the locker up type things, all those sound bites. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sorry we had to close on such a bad note, but guys, we're back. And you still have Bill Maher, you still have Trevor Noah, but Tech Beats and Bites is back, and we're going to get you guys there. So go ahead and close this out. That's Mike. That's Toya. And, and this, this is, is Tech, Tech Beats and Bites. Oh. Mm-hmm. Two minutes over. <laughs> <laughs>